The Daily Rios for Wednesday, October 28th, 2015. It is hump day. It is almost the end of October. It is New Comics Wednesday. And as of yesterday, I'm two weeks away from starting Theater Project Number 1 here in Philly and three weeks away from my first Spamalot rehearsal, which in some ways I think I'm more excited for. Uh, both projects are going to be amazing and challenging, but Spamalot is done in a small non-union dinner theater space that has a lot of heart and a lot of raw energy that I really enjoy. And I think I'm just a little more involved in all of the aspects there doing Spamalot because there um, there is no huge support staff. It's a small budget theater with a small staff, and I find those challenges more rewarding more creative in some ways, figuring out how to make a big show work in a small space and how to use the theater, uh, which is in a barn, uh, to my advantage, uh, how to use all the entrances, using the audience space, finding different levels, etc. Just making it more uh, entertaining for the audience. Uh, the intimacy of the space is also a plus. I think that's one of the reasons why earlier this year when I worked on Young Frankenstein there, um, because the audiences were so close, they could see actor faces and they could see reactions and they could see things like, uh, you know, in comedy, slow burns or asides to the audience. It all really worked, worked well because, the again, the audience is right there as opposed to maybe a regular theater or a Broadway house um, where the audience can stretch back uh, too far, too far for for that kind of show. So same thing with Spamalot. It's a comedy show. You need to see faces. You need to see, need to see reactions. And I think it'll work out well. Also, this will be the first time my girlfriend and I will be working together officially in a show. Now, she has filled in here and there. Um, I filled in on one of her shows. But this is the first time we'll be together at the start of a rehearsal process all the way through to the finish, which is good because uh, probably between school and my other project, this may be the only way we get to see each other for any length of time, so that'll be fun. Um, I've started reading T.H. White's Once and Future King in anticipation of Spamalot. There's no direct cor correlation there other than the obvious uh, Arthurian legend, but I always like to go back to source material when I do a show. Uh, just as my own personal research. And certainly with King Arthur and his knights, you could go to many different source materials. I just chose uh, Once a Future King because I've always meant to read it. I started reading it phew, when I was young. And I thought, okay, you know, this would be a good, uh, good opportunity to do so. And actually, I think the last two books in the book are the basis for the musical Camelot, so that's kind of interesting. I'm doing Spamalot. This book also spawned Camelot and who knows what else. So again, it's just something I like to do. It's my own personal research. Um, <clears throat> for instance, when I did Young Frankenstein earlier this year, I watched the original movies, which were a friggin' riot. Um, and did you know, this is kind of apropos because we're coming up on Halloween. So you know how Frankenstein's monster is portrayed in cartoons and other places. I'm thinking kind of like the Scooby-Doo episode or wherever, um, where he's walking around with his arms in front of him and he's stumbling about and moaning. Well, do you know why that is? That's because 
in one of the Frankenstein sequels, Ghost of Frankenstein, Igor, played for a second time in that movie by Bela Lugosi, who of Dracula fame, uh, he tries to put his own brain into the monster to achieve its power, um, I guess. But since his blood type isn't a match for the creature's body, he loses his eyesight and starts stumbling around. And it's only seen in this movie, and yet that becomes almost an iconic characteristic for the creature. And I just thought, well, that's just cool. I never knew that. I love that stuff. You know, is it any wonder that I like to seek out trivia knowledge like that? Come on. So that was cool. Um, what else has been going on? I hit up my little 25-cent back-as-you-been stash location again this past weekend, although um, now the 25-cent comics are harder to find, and it's more like 50 and 75 cents, but that's still not bad. I've been using that place to try and complete the Will Payton Starman run uh, from the late 80s, as well as the late 80s, 90s Legion series. I've also started to collect the Legion title when Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning were writing. Since it was post-zero hour, I kind of gave up on that Legion, on the Archie Legion after a while. So when DNA jumped on, which is what Dan Abnett and Andy, Andy Lanning are known as whenever they were a writing team, which I don't think they are anymore, uh, and also Olivier Coipel had joined the group, had joined the title, it was the first time I saw his artwork, with a storyline called Legion of the Damned, that's when I finally jumped back onto Legion, and then they went to Legion Lost for 12 issues, which was great. But I never really followed through after that. So I found Legion Worlds for 50 cents each, which is kind of great because they were, um, I don't know, somewhere like 3 or 4 or $5 each. And I'm going to build up the Legion run that I've never read. I think I read a, the first maybe five or six issues. Um, I'm also building up a bunch of James Robinson-era Superman comics that feature the newest versions at that time of Nightwing and Flamebird, which are two characters I've always liked for obvious Dick Grayson Titans reasons or connections. Um, what else? Stars and Stripe, always trying to collect more of those issues. Our Man, any of the Vigilante titles, which I have a lot of now the first Lobo miniseries, um, and then random things like Nathaniel Dusk uh, 2, a miniseries from the 80s with Gene Colan art, um, and some other odds and ends. And then you'll find $3, $4, $5 prestige books, again, for $0.25 or $0.50 that are just too hard to pass up. Like the second issue of John Byrne's OMAC miniseries, uh, one of those 100-page DC Comics Presents collections that are 7 or $8 for $0.50. Cents. And I got the Captain Adam one. Uh, I think I also got the Legion one, too. Or, no, I bought that one. Um, Neil Gaiman's Black Orchid miniseries. You know, it's just too hard to pass up when it's, you know, that kind of book. So... Beyond that, the store then moves to dollar books, $2 books, $3 books. Um, I don't know. I can't seem to escape the draw of less than a dollar comics that are in really good shape. So um, they restock those uh, long boxes every couple months. So probably they might even do it every week. But I go every couple months, and uh, I always find something new. So that's cool. 
And since we're talking about comics, how about a look at New Comics Wednesday for today, October 28th? Again, only a, fl- a few selections here. Um, let's see, Cyrus Perkins and the Haunted ta- Taxi Cab from Action Lab Comics by um, writer Dave Dwanch, a longtime friend. Um, and I, I believe some of this is kind of inspired on a real world, real on a real world situation that he had when he felt um, uh, when he had some medical issues, and I believe he put himself into a cab and went to the hospital, and this is where this story came from. So the first issue is out. It is a miniseries, and I will be supporting that. Marvel is putting out two guidebooks, and I love me some guidebooks. The guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the first issue featuring Iron Man, and then later volumes will feature both Iron Man and the Hulk, and then Thor. And then also Secret Wars, official guide to the Marvel Multiverse. This was supposed to come out in July or August, so this is way late. Um, But uh, here you go, that's out today. Quantum and Woody, the third trade paperback by Christopher Priest, called And So, with artist M.D. Bright. This um, this may or may not be the final trade. I'm not sure, though. But a lot of this material is being collected for the first time. Uh, so if you ever wanted to read Christopher Priest's hilarious Quantum and Woody series, now you got three volumes to do so. And then from IDW, uh, well, from Top Shelf, uh, because they were acquired by IDW, we have Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas Hardcover by Troy Little. And I saw a bunch of this, a bunch of pages from this. Um, I might like it. Uh, You know, on the periphery, I kind of want to know more about Hunter S. Thompson, but... Um, some of the artwork, um, I'm not sure if I, mm, I'm not sure if the feeling was there when I saw the previews where I sort of was like, yes, I want to get this, but, uh, it's interesting nonetheless. So I thought I'd give it a shout out and give it a link for anybody else who, uh, who wants to see this little adaptation of Hunter S. Thompson's work by, uh, Troy Little. Now, since it is almost the end of October and I didn't do this earlier on, I'll also give a few recommendations from previews. Now, this would be not the previews that's coming out today, but the last previews for books shipping mostly in December. And right away, DC has that Robin War crossover storyline. DCBS has all of the issues plus the tie-ins for 50% off. That's just too hard to pass up. I was going to get them anyway, and I already get Grayson and... um, I don't know what, I maybe it might cross over into Teen Titans, but uh, I thought, yeah, I'll get that. That's an easy steal. Um, there's also a Batgirl trade paperback, Silent Night. This is Batgirl Volume 1. This is the Cassandra Kane volume. And there were other collections, but I guess maybe they're collecting it again now that she's in um, Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, the fourth New Teen Titans trade is has been solicited in that last previews, taking us up all the way to issue number 27, I believe. Um, So this now, starting with the fifth volume, uh, issue 28, that'll be, that's the first issue I started reading Titans with when I was a kid. 
So I'm looking forward to that series continuing. I'm so glad they're finally collecting that in softcover trade. So let's see. Um, I'm, I've been passing up a lot of the all-new, all-different Marvel Now once again, but Secret Wars isn't even over yet titles. That James Robinson Squadron Supreme, though, that kind of haunts me. So I did order the first two issues, and I want to see what he does with it. I think uh, mixing various versions of a team that is already set within a different universe and yet is also uh, a team created as analogs to another company's characters, There, that's just too much to ignore you know that kind of um (laughs) that kind of writing depth seems like something that James Robinson will do really well with I have to imagine he's going to play around with a lot so uh I definitely ordered those two issues and then um from Locust Moon Press which is actually a a store here in Philadelphia they have a one-shot called Prometheus Eternal And Grant Morrison has some stories in that. You know, I could probably walk to the store and get it myself, but I decided to order it. And uh, that's what I did. So that's that's it for previews, really. There weren't many suggestions, which is kind of nice. Usually you would think December would be um, a big month for comics. And certainly there are things that... um, are coming out that are people are probably excited about, but um, I, I kind of think January sometimes slows down, but we'll see because that new previews comes out, and I'll be able to take a look at that and see um, see what I will be interested in. All right, before I wrap up, let's do some listener feedback that I've been sitting on for a while. Um, this is let's see, I got two, one from Eric and one from Chris on the Archie Goodwin episode I did, which was episode 315. So Eric says, The Manhunter series by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson was fantastic. I bought the Manhunter special from 1984, collecting all of those Detective Comics backups. I seem to recall that Archie and Simonson weren't going to include Batman when they did the story, but they needed to wrap up, and it was suggested to include Batman, I think. Also, I'm with you on the Armageddon 2001 series, though I will say that I hated the reveal of Hawk as the big bad, thus cutting short my beloved Hawk and Dove series. (laughs) The other thing it did, too, not only was it a bait-and-switch, and and Captain Adam was certainly the far far more interesting choice and the one that made more sense, but what it did was it really kind of neutered the character of Hawk For so long after that, I mean, he wasn't even around, I guess, for, you know, after that. And it kind of felt like, um, had they kept it with Captain Adam, they still could have had Captain Adam as a character, but then he would have had all this baggage and maybe some interesting storylines could have come out of that. So, yeah, you know, it's bad enough that Dove died in the crisis, and then they got a new Dove, and she was far more interesting. Well, she was developed in a in a time w- where you could make that character interesting. And then they get rid of Hawk shortly after that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, Chris said, Archie Goodwin is one of those writers who's often cited by creators as as one of the best writers ever to work in comics, often mentioned alongside Archie 
Alan Moore, and other more visible writers. And yet, like you, my interaction with his work is definitely more as an editor. I think I'm most familiar with Goodwin as head of the head of Epic Comics. Uh, his name is the one I most affiliate with that line and the magazine. Like his work with James Robinson, it seems like Goodwin was the guiding light who pushed for better stories and for something different. As to his writing, it appears I've read a bit more work than you, a bit more of his work than you. I know I've read most or all of his Star Wars comics, and I've enjoyed his Manhunter and Alien adaption, both of which he did with Simonson, along with the Fanagraphics reprints of his seminal Blazing Combat comics. All of those are great. But the first book I think of when discussing Goodwin is the Marvel graphic novel he did with Howard Chaikin, Wolverine, Nick Fury, The Scorpio Connection. I love that book. It might be the fact that it was my introduction to Chaikin and his distinct art style, but I also really appreciate the story, which is held up for me on multiple rereadings. Thanks for all the work. I mean, when it comes to graphic novels, the Marvel graphic novels, the DC graphic novels of the 80s were awesome. And I remember we did an episode on them uh, on CGS way back, way, 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 way back. And, um, you know, I don't see them too often at conventions, or maybe I'm just not looking, but they're all stories that, um, they were just great. They were just great, you know, done in one books um, with some fabulous artwork and, you know, that weird square bound <laughs> um, design. Ah, I loved every single one of those. All right, Chuck Coletta on episode 316. This was the episode I did on Gotham season one. He says, I have one area of unease about Gotham, and that's the level of violence. I would feel uncomfortable letting any child under 12 watch it. The routine stabbings, shootings, and general mayhem seems more gratuitous than anything. I don't have the same misgivings of either Flash or Arrow, which was pretty violent in its first season. I hope the producers find a way to include Bruce and Alfred into the main storylines more. Too often, they seem sealed off in their own subplots and isolated from the other characters. To that point, the second season definitely seems to be addressing that more. Um, this season feels like um, Bruce and Alfred, even though they're still on the tangent, still on the sidelines, they're being involved more within the main story that usually involves Gordon or Selena, or whatever. Um, to the violence, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's still going this this season, too. Uh, you know, I, I really don't have much to say about that. Um, Bill Dowdy, he says about the same episode, Damn it, you got me to reconsider and revisit Gotham. I abandoned it after the first three or four episodes, mostly because it seemed to feed into Hollywood's obsession with superhero origin stories. It felt at least partially inspired by the Nolan Dark Knight films, which was a Batman I never really connected with, and because, frankly, I need a little more Batman in my Batman. But looking at it as the story of the boy who becomes the man who becomes Batman, to use your words, is an interesting wrinkle. And three episodes in, I take it a step forward by calling it the story of the world that shapes the boy who becomes etc. etc. As, although Bruce is important, he is a surprisingly small part of the overall story. 
it's starting to feel like the inverse of Gotham Central. In that, co- in that comic, Batman was always a shadowy presence that shaped the lives and careers of the GCPD. And here we see that the shadow of Gotham is shaping Batman. And though I still think I'd rather have seen a Gotham Central TV series over Batman year minus 12 or 15, this is pretty damn close and I'm looking forward to seeing if I take it to uh seeing if I take to it better this time around. Which is great. So, Bill, let me know how far you are now and if the show has grown even more or did it just reconfirm what you initially didn't like about it? And I do have to wonder if uh, Renee Montoya is ever going to show up again and and Crispus Allen. Um, You know, they they just all but disappeared. All right. um, One more here we got from Murray. Uh, Murray Fox. This is on episode 319, which was all about Murray's pool list. He says, I'd say you pretty much hit the nail on the head with your assessment of my pool list. I definitely like the quirky lowered tiered characters. I'm definitely a DC uh, DC guy, and I love those sci-fi adventure type comics that they put out in the late 50s. When no one's looking, I'll totally snag any of those old romance comics out of the bargain bins. DCU is certainly more appealing to me than the new 52 turned out to be. I suspect I'm sticking with Justice League only because it feels like it's supposed to be an important book, as opposed to one that I'm enjoying all that much. I do support those books that have a strong creator's vision. I picked up The Sixth Gun after listening to Cullen Bunn speak at C2E2 and tried Echo and then Rachel Rising after talking with Terry Moore at a convention. I have tried Mark Wade's Daredevil. I liked it. Didn't enjoy Fraction's Hawkeye, but need to give his FF another look. I'm definitely going to be picking up Hellcat. Cheers. You know, I like what Murray says about picking up a book because it feels like it's supposed to be important. And I get that. In fact, I'd warrant that most collectors probably do that. Um, Think of the collector that reads Batman but doesn't read Detective. Or how at one point I was reading X-Men or Uncanny X-Men but didn't even look at Astonishing X-Men after Whedon left. Um, Certainly when Uncanny Avengers first hit with Marvel Now with Rick Remender at the helm... I thought that was going to be the flagship book, the important Avengers book. Little did we know at the time it was going to be Jonathan Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers. But then they also put out Secret Avengers and Mighty Avengers, and I was like, nah, I don't need to read that. So that's a nice distinction there. Thanks for that, Murray. I like that. I think that um, makes a lot of sense. Reading something because it's important to the line, to the publisher, to the universe, whatever. Um as a way of checking in. Certainly I do that with events. No matter what, I'll read an event, you know, because of that. So I like that. That's cool. All right. Um, I did get another pool list, uh, another pool list to do, and I'll do that in a couple episodes. So yay. Seems like that game is, um, catching on. And if you want to send your pool list or feedback, you can do so at peter at the daily I do have more feedback I'll get to it in a future episode, so please keep them coming. And uh, that's it. This has been episode 322 for Wednesday, October 28th. Have a great day.